And we are live back with another episode of Shifting Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torin Kearns, and as always, I'm joined by the Autism Sage herself, Mama Baden. How are you? I am good. Super excited this afternoon. The sun is shining, which is always great for me. And I am here today with you, but also I'm feeling kind of a reunion. Uh, Tiffany has joined us. I'm super excited. And um, uh, so Tiffany, would you like to maybe introduce yourself or is that necessary? Or should I go into the story of how I met you? What, what works for you? Um, I, I can introduce myself and then you can, you can go into the story. Perfect. I am uh, Tiffany. I write for the um, social media profiles on TikTok, YouTube, um, um, and my main one, Instagram, at Nye Functioning Autism. And I uh, was diagnosed with Asperger's at 19 and in my 30s with autism. And uh, I have three children. They're all neurodivergent. Two are autistic. And um, I'm a single parent. And my pronouns are she, they. I'm wearing a black shirt with a black bandana earring, uh, silver earrings and a black headphone. And I'm a black person with uh, black locks that are shoulder length. Thank you, Tiffany. I, uh, Tiffany may not, I don't think I've shared this story from my perspective, um, but Tiffany and I met and um, it was a very enlightening experience for me. And I don't even know if I've ever shared this with you, but I was, uh, I think I was doing a training in um, New York and I was working or not working, but uh, I don't know, collaborating and talking and sharing with this group uh, on Facebook, social media. And I put a message out that I was going to come to Maryland and I was going to be in a hotel. And if any parents wanted to come and do a parent coaching session for sensory needs that they could sign up. And Tiffany was one of the wonderful parents that um, I was uh, very privileged to meet along with her kiddos. But what I loved about Tiffany is when she came in with her kiddos and we were talking about her daughter and her daughter's sensory needs. And Tiffany showed me this great big purse bag of all this great sensory stuff. And I said, oh, wow, this is so great. The children have access to all of these sensory fidgets. And Tiffany said, oh, these are for me. Yeah, they don't they know better than to even touch my stuff. She said, I'm here because I need to know what they need. And, and I share that story because for me as a, uh, for lack of a better term, professional, um, it was very enlightening for me to recognize that even as an autistic individual and parenting autistic children, it's still a different experience and you need support to understand your children just like every other mom, right? And so that was very a very good, um, it was empowering for me to know that and it, and it gave me the ability to help other families. And so thank you, Tiffany, for, for that experience. Um, but one of the reasons that I am super excited that uh, she's here is because 
A lot of parents, and I, I say your name all the time because I'm always trying to help parents understand communication can look different um, and that's okay, is because a lot of parents don't understand how verbal communicators can benefit from using an AAC either application or device or typing or writing or whatever it is that works for them. And it doesn't um, limit them. It actually gives them more power to be independent. And so I, because we're here to shift the narrative, I want our listeners to shift their narrative away from limiting their child to only verbal. So can you maybe share um, your journey towards understanding that an alternative or co-supporting method of communication would be helpful for you, even though you are capable of communicating verbally? I will be using my speech generating AAC um, device for this. Mm -hmm. I think too many parents and professionals try to use their own neurotypical perception to understand their autistic loved ones or clients. But many times that simply won't work because of misinterpretations. What is good for us may seem counterintuitive to neurotypical or non-autistic people. I have found this whole subject of speech, language, and literacy is one of those things. The way we work seems to be the opposite when it comes to speech. Speech, at least from what I have seen in autistic people, is inconsistent. That's definitely true for me. And for many of us, it isn't autism that causes it, but one of our many co-occurring conditions. For me, it's epilepsy. Before or after seizures, I either cannot speak or cannot say exactly what I want because the words just don't trickle down to my mouth. I liken my speech to a factory. My stream of thoughts are on a conveyor belt which is headed for my mouth. So many times I go to say my thoughts and there is nothing available on the conveyor belt for my mouth to say, like my factory workers took a break. Other times, I have the words available, but my mouth forgets how to say the particular word or says a word that's not even there or that I was not thinking at all. Sometimes it's the medicines we take that cause word finding issues. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's anxiety, which causes situational mutism. Also, the reason can change daily or over time. Whatever it is at the moment, because it is not always reliable, there need to be other ways to communicate. Yep. The parent and professional communities seem to mostly focus on total... The parent and professional communities seem to mostly focus on total speech regression in early childhood. Mm -hmm. However, many people lose speech altogether in early teens or early adulthood as well, especially if they have epilepsy or eventually get it. So, it makes sense to always have a well-practiced form of communication, or even a few, actually. But also... 
We need sensory safe ways to communicate. Mm -hmm. Sometimes sensing emotions is also overwhelming. So in cases where a speaking autistic person may find themselves in a situation that's sad, exciting, angering, extremely joyful, etc., strong emotions, like any overwhelming sense interferes with my factory's ability, like maybe inclement weather might cause interruptions in a real factory. Being able to use other ways to communicate might still be available. Texting in a different room is another safe way to communicate without being overwhelmed by others' emotions or feelings. Pictures might be more accessible in cases where words are failing. Giving someone a way to draw a picture might also be helpful. Sign languages are great too and always available like the mouth because they are a part of the body. However, due to motor skills issues, they may have to be modified. There are unlimited ways to communicate and there's no reason that speech has to be considered the best way. People say, I don't want that device to be a crutch. That makes no sense because crutches are helpful. They help people be mobile. Other forms of communication are not holding someone back. They are helping them participate in life, much like crutches do. Also, why is it a bad thing that someone may prefer a different form of communication? What if the student feels more comfortable and able to communicate more with a device even if they speak? Why is that such a horrible thing? Maybe that person has found what I did, that I deserve to still have a voice even when it's not working that I don't have to exhaust myself day in and day out trying to overcome all the sensory issues that mess with my speech. Or that my silent seizures, that for a long time I wasn't even aware of, were causing me trouble communicating, that doesn't have to mean that my words are not important simply because I cannot say them. That I still have a right to be heard, and it's not some moral failure or character flaw to have trouble communicating by speech just because I can do it sometimes. And now we know why everyone follows her on Instagram. Just wonderful, wonderful messages. And I hope the listeners rewind and listen to that again. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Tiffany. Um, one of the things that, uh, uh, you know, if we think about parents where they're hearing this message and they are thinking, oh, okay, I want, you know, to get um, a, another method of communication um, for my kiddo, how do you recommend that parents determine if that would be helpful for their child in terms of sometimes parents do have to advocate against what therapists think is best? Um, do you have any, any, recommendations for parents to figure out if that would be something helpful for their kiddo? Stay away from people. Every okay. I don't think there's an if. I only think that any day later is later than necessary. For me, I didn't have the ability to use AAC when I was younger. 
My speech was scripting and echolalia, but it was learning to write my own words and sentences letter by letter that gave me the ability to speak what was actually in my brain. I would have been able to speak much, much earlier had I had AAC. How many people have speech trapped, but they can't access it through a multisensory method like a speech generating app? I wonder how many people are left behind because the caregivers and professionals in their life wanted more speech or speech only. In their neurotypical minds, that makes sense to try to get more speech out of someone. To an autistic mind, it seems the very thing they want from autistic people is the thing they are gatekeeping, and that's communication. All communication helps other forms of communication in our autistic world. So using AAC helps open the speech channel for very many students. However, unlocking speech is helpful, but again as mentioned before, may not be the preferable method for an individual. And all forms of communication need to be seen as equal and helpful to the other modalities of communicating. And if someone chooses AAC over speech, that should be respected because that may indeed be the person's most accurate form of communicating. When I start saying nonsense or filler words, I wouldn't want people to think that's what I mean when I don't. It has even gotten me in trouble before and probably will again. That is, if I am forced to rely on speech. I love it. I love it. I love it. And, you know, with parents thinking in terms of, okay, let me see if this would work for my child, if my child does prefer it. Um, and I, I have a, a follow-up on that to sort of help our listeners, but a story just popped in my head and now I have to share a story. Um, I love to share stories. And when you story. said... <laughs> When you said, you know, a child prefers or an individual teen adult prefers technology to communicate, I will never forget. This is one of those times in my life that I just still am blown away by this experience. I was in a classroom with three, four-year-old, five-year-olds, and I was there for a specific little girl. And so the teacher just so happened to mention that this little boy who was three years old and um, uh, had a diagnosis of autism. And she said, he just doesn't do anything but stand in front of that computer all all day long. But I don't know why we don't use that computer. It's the one on my desk. And he just stands there, you know, by that computer. And I didn't think much of it because I wasn't necessarily there for him and, and, you know, listened and then um, went back another time. And I had my iPad and I was working with the little girl and I wanted to see if she could do something. And this little boy left the computer, came over. And of course, everyone loves iPads. Most kids gravitate. So it wasn't uncommon for kids to want the iPad. And so I said, oh, wait, wait, wait. You know, it's Miss Stacy's turn. And then he was really insistent. So of course, I wanted to know what that was about, right? Why is he insistent? Let's check it out. I'm just going to go ahead and give it to him, right? That child took that iPad, pulled up the keyboard, literally typed up, I'm wearing new underwear. And I will never forget, like, 
screaming at the top of my lungs, somebody needs to get an AAC device in here, stat. This child has something to say, and he's standing next to that computer because he wants to use the keyboard. Like that, and I'm so sorry that I'm emotional about this because just sitting here at the table with you, Tiffany, and sitting here with Torin and thinking about that little boy, people have something to contribute in regards to communication and we have got to provide our kids a way to do that and stop letting a stupid evaluation to see if they can do cause and effect and you know oh let's go through the process right like give me a break like we have technology at our hands everywhere our children need to be given opportunities to demonstrate that they can communicate. And a lot of our kids are very savvy with technology. And I just wanted to share that story because, you know, I just, and, and I don't know, he wasn't my student. I have no idea, you know, where this little boy is now. And I'm really hoping that there was follow through, you know, I did what I could um, in, in my role and in, in a little bit more, but uh, our kids are here and, and people have a right to communicate in a way that works for them. So I will go back to my follow-up in regards to now that parents are on board with, okay, I think this might be something, um, the big question, which, which goes to my, my, my story is, what age should parents introduce um, AAC? Should it be the big fancy ones? You know, oh, I can't afford Proloquo and there's lots of, you know, inexpensive ones. Therapists are saying, oh, they're too young. We'll wait and see. Um, from your perspective, um, when should parents, you know, now we've got the parents on board with accepting communication in a different way. When, 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 when do we start that? There's never a time that's too early. Mm -hmm. Similarly, there is never a time too late either. Communication never gets old. It's something we will do throughout our entire lives. I really believe speech generating AAC should be a part of every early intervention program. Mm -hmm. The sooner the better, of course. These apps can be expensive. But when thinking about what you get and the fact they can last a lifetime, literally, it really isn't that expensive. People should always try to first go through health or school insurance or the school itself. However, there are many free or inexpensive apps that work for iOS, Android, Windows, etc. There are many ways to get a speech generating AAC device. In the United States, every state has an Office of Disability or Assistive Technology. The names differ by region. But they have lending libraries for assistive technology devices and many times also offer training as well. There are organizations like Lily's Voice and CAM Communicates that provide tablets with the AAC application. There are so many ways to get AC, it shouldn't be gatekept, but it is. To get around that, people can use a used tablet or a new tablet and buy the software that isn't expensive or even free. That is great advice. I hope the listeners rewind and take notes on that. 
because um, there's some little nuggets that I was not even aware of in terms of the lending library. And I do know every area is different, but uh, sometimes even if you live in a rural area, they can reach out to the bigger cities and get, get things to you. Um, so, so definitely, um, thank you for those really good tips. Uh, yes, all 50 states and mm -hmm. DC have, have, have those. Perfect. Thank you so much. So one of the things that, that I, I wanted to ask, um, based on a great post that you did on Instagram, which I thought was very helpful for, for those of us who do not use um, an AAC device to communicate, one of the things that parents are always concerned about is their children having limitations to socializing or all those little nuances or, oh, they're not going to be able to get married if they use an AAC device. Like parents think that, but parents think like way long-term about, uh, I, a lot of parents think about marriage and grandbabies more sometimes. And I think they think about a lot of other things, but, um, you know, I think it's important for, for listeners to, um, uh, let me just put it out there because it's based on your post. How do you balance the turn taking during a conversation with others in terms of how do you let them know when it is a pause and their time to respond when you're using your AAC device. I think that is um, important to know so that parents can feel less angst about um, how does that look, right? What do we, how does my child communicate if no one else understands how they're using their device? So um, to talk about what you, you first discussed about um, there are very many married AAC using parents, for mm -hmm. one, who have never been able to say a word out of their mouths, mm -hmm. and they still get married and have kids. And yes. even if they're non-speaking and autistic, um, my aunt is one of them. And uh, there was a woman who lived here in the, the DMV general area who was deafblind autistic AAC user, um, who was, uh, who has a deaf autistic partner and a speaking autistic daughter, but she never has said a word and um, she uses AAC. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, so the, 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 the AAC does not limit um, love or anything. Yes. So, um, and it, 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 it's used in college um, and in schools, many kids, they love that, you know, they can have their technology with them all throughout the class day. You know, it's seen, it's, it's seen as a, a cool thing mm -hmm. as a child. And um, I will say the adults are um, more of an issue. that I've seen in um, public spaces. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, what I wrote has to do with public spaces because at home I use AC just freely. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have to worry about the turn taking. Um, I just, everybody should know that uh, just tell people to wait, mm -hmm. wait even longer, then wait some more. Mm -hmm. and um, don't try to guess what the person's going to type. 
and don't try to look over their shoulders. And so until we have that etiquette um, that's proper, um, you'll see that my answer, um, what I wrote is based off of. Love it. I mean, that's the background information mm-hmm. to that. Well, before Stacy, I, I know you have a couple more questions, but we need to take a pause real quick to have, uh, to read an ad from our new sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is now sponsored by the Lipschitz family of autism cures. And today, Lipschitz would like to talk to you about their Lipschitz Magic MCT oil. When you had when you had children, you thought you'd get a perfect little bundle of joy, like in the sitcoms you used to watch. But when you but what you got was an actual human with real life needs. But now you can make all those special needs go away with our new product. Lipschitz Magic MCT Oil. Simply force Lipschitz Magic MCT Oil down your child's throat once a day, and within a week, he'll be like the kids on TV. Lipschitz Magic MCT Oil works by neutralizing the autism gene by coating it in slick oil. Here are some testimonies from actual doctors. One doctor says, this is dangerous misinformation. Please stop making these claims. Another said, fuck off, never call my office again. And still a third said, you should give Fox News a call. They love grifters. As you can see, Lipschitz Magic MCT Oil is a must-have. Lipschitz Magic MCT Oil, giving you back the child that never existed. (laughs) And I love, you know, Torin is a a creative writer. So I love that he comes up with these. And it's always a surprise for me, which is delightful. Um, All right, everybody, I hope you... Please get a sense of humor um, if you did not find that humorous. Uh, all right, Tiffany, do you have something to say about the turn taking? That was great advice. That was good advice for me in terms of not looking over shoulders. That's a good tip. I hadn't thought about that. Mm-hmm. This is actually difficult for people who aren't used to AAC, so it's ever frustrating for the AAC user. I have found that in public, using AAC requires some workarounds to make people understand their job in the conversation with an AAC user. So that would be first to wait and not try to guess or look over someone's shoulder. People are very impatient and don't wait for me to type or finish typing. So, at home, I set my app to only speak when I tell it to. But in public, because people will walk away or speak over my device, I have it speak each word I type and after every sentence. I also use a cheap $25 Bluetooth speaker that lights up when my AAC voice is speaking. That way people know it's my turn and when they don't see the light for a while, they know they can talk. But a speaker is also needed just to be heard in public. I need one thing I wanted to go back to what we were saying before about um, what it looks like parenting or dating with AAC. I will say that it's very hard to date if you can't communicate. 
there you go. So yeah, that's it. Communication is important for- One of the yeah. questions, one of the, I'm sorry to cut you off. One of the questions I had is you mentioned at the top of the episode about epilepsy. And your bio mentioned in your in your, in your bio you say epilepsy and keto, and I'm just curious. So as you probably know, a lot of people are trying to bite uh, Lipschitz flow by coming up with fake cures for autism. Like if you give autistic people cannabis, it cures the autism, or if you have forced them to eat keto, it can cure autism. So what are some of your thoughts on keto and cannabis use? for children who are not epileptic, but who autistic children who are not epileptic? Well, um, so for keto, I, I, I don't know um, why anybody would use keto if their child is not epileptic. Um, but for cannabis, I can definitely see a benefit, but no, no cure, no such thing as a cure, but, um, I can definitely see a, a benefit for for children um, and teens and adults when it comes to anxiety, epilepsy, of course. Um, uh, yeah, anxiety, depression. Um, yeah, I can definitely see a benefit for that. But uh, if a parent is looking to relieve certain things like, um, you know, like just autism traits, um, that's not going to help. However, all of those things should, whatever somebody's looking to relieve, they should look for testing the medical, um, looking for labs and testing for like GI disorders or epilepsy or use the MRIs, like always go medical, like go to your doctors first mm -hmm. and make sure they do their due diligence. They test for everything, test our, I know like tests suck, especially if you have an autistic child, but um, don't let the doctor just be like, Oh, it's just his autism, or it's just her autism. And meanwhile, your child has an ulcer, um, or you know, they're having seizures and nobody wants to check because they just it's just a part of their autism. No, get test after test after test, especially, you know, as, as early as possible. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That was a good question, Torn. <laughs> Um, so now that we have parents thinking about, okay, if my child uses a device, they can still get married and I can have grandbabies. And I'm making this a joke because there are people who literally have children just so they can have grandbabies. <laughs> they just want grandbabies. Those are um, Lipschitz products. <laughs> those, those are the exact people that ad was for. So now that we have them on board and they're going to try some things, um, you know, we're trying to shift the narrative out there and, and get folks to start communicating in ways that are positive and productive. So are there any terminologies that are important for parents to know whether they're looking into different communication methods or talking to therapists or anything related to alternative methods of communication that's important for parents to, to know and, and understand? 
It's best to always ask people how they prefer to be identified and not assume. However, many or maybe even most autistic or disabled people who can't use speech reliably to communicate prefer not to be called nonverbal. There's a terrible stigma attached to the word and it's highly inaccurate because nobody is without words at all unless they are temporarily, like for emotional reasons. Like they can't even think of words. Neurotypical people say they are speechless. It's the same idea. Nonverbal is a temporary state. But someone who needs non-speech ways to communicate are non-speaking. Or they are minimally speaking or unreliably speaking as in my case. All three of those tend to be accepted by everyone. That is non-speaking, minimally speaking or unreliably speaking. Also try to stay away from preverbal. The prefix pre suggests some state of waiting as in people are waiting for speech or not verbal yet. Again, they are verbal, just not with speech. Also, AAC stands for augmentative and alternative communication. But it's not an alternative. To some people, speech is the alternative to AAC. For me, that is very true. Speech is my alternative for when AAC isn't convenient or available. But speech is not my first choice, my preferred choice, nor is it my intuitive choice for communication. So, a better term is assistive like in assistive technology, which AAC is anyway. So it would be instead of augmentative mm -hmm. and alternative communication, it would be augmentative and assistive communication. But AAC as an acronym doesn't change. Yeah, got it. Love that. Thank you. I love that you phrased it. This is why everyone follows you on Instagram and all of your mm -hmm. wonderful words. Thank because you. I think that understanding the perspective that for me, I may look at an AAC device as an alternative way, but for you, speaking is an alternative way. And, and that's where we all need to shift our narrative around these expectations that we have for everyone to do the same and be the same, um, which sounds so boring to me. Um, I know we're running um, against time, but I had one more thing I wanted to see if, if I could could get you to share. Um, I know we've been um, having this wonderful discussion around communication differences and, and, and helping parents and listeners, therapists, educators uh, understand, number one, it's okay um, to communicate in a way that's not only verbal <clears throat> and uh, what they can do. But I would love for you just to share, um, I guess, going back to maybe, you know, how we met and, and came across one another, if you could share your experience um, as an autistic individual, but mother of two, well, three um, neurodivergent human beings. And how do you, and it goes back to the big bag of sensory, right? Like, how do you balance your method of communication with their method of communication within the family dynamic? Um, and, and maybe we'll get you back to talk about the different sensory needs within one household. <laughs> mm. 
It's pretty difficult in a household of mixed communicators. For instance, one of my children is dyslexic, so using my preferred writing to communicate with them isn't their preferred or easiest method to be communicated to. My preferred method of communicating is also the way I like being communicated to. And that's text. But I use a text-based AAC app that speaks out loud to them and we both get what we want. Some people communicate ways that are different than when being communicated to because it may be easier to hear or read something than to read or listen. Some apps use icons or pictures or text to make speech as well. So with high-tech speech AAC, we get the best of all worlds. But I would say using text or DMs, sending memes, GIFs, and TikToks is my most common communication with my kids in the household. I do have one child that uses and loves speech the most. So we let them speak, but voices are a huge sensory concern, so we also have to learn to accommodate each other and other people in our environments. So, it's more like a give and take and saying what we need to each other in the moment. So, and also, as a family. Go ahead. I was going to say, and also, it's very helpful that um, we have space to get away from each other. Yeah, <laughs> in, that makes in sense. Cases. That makes sense. Yeah. That's, that's family survival. Uh, uh, family survival 101, right? Like, okay, I need, especially since we've all had COVID, I know I kept, I wanted to ask, I wanted to call my wife's office and say, can you guys just let her come in just for a few days? <laughs> because we, we're really spending a lot of time together uh, during this pandemic. <laughs> you know, um, it, I, I want to just say to listeners, uh, it, it, Tiffany made, wonderful points just now in terms of, you know, my preferred, this works for me, we balance it out. And it's amazing to me how folks who are considered neurotypicals can say things like, oh, I just prefer to text. I don't want to talk on the phone or just send me an email. I prefer emails over text messages. So how come other people, you know, for lack of a better way for me to phrase this, are allowed to give their preference of communication, but a neurodivergent or autistic, um, ADHD, whatever, you know, um, you have to give an explanation as to why you need a different way of communicating or it's not acceptable. Um, so, so think about that, those of you out there listening in terms of everyone has a right to advocate for the best way for them to communicate and the, the, the reality of it is, um, and, and I'll give a perfect example with this podcast. Uh, you know, Tiffany is here. She has had great um, responses and information and, and nuggets um, for all of us. And that was made possible because we were able to let her know what questions, you know, what are the things that um, I know I sort of wanted to um, get some really good insight on. And Torn and I making that 
you know, adjustment or, you know, that request and, and saying, oh, okay, great. You know, that is a benefit for all of us, right? We're able to get the full value of what um, um, Tiffany has to say, which is always wonderful. And then she's able to communicate in a way that works best for her to participate in the podcast. So I just want everyone to think about that. You know, it's, it doesn't always have to be done the way somebody has decided it has to be done. And there are always ways to adjust, accommodate. Um, and, and I'm so glad that we were able to do that because this was so good, Tiffany. Thank you so much for, for joining yeah. us today. Thank you. I think a lot of parents' fears in this community is based on them not knowing the workarounds or knowing ways that we have learned to accommodate or understanding that there's technology that is helpful for us. Like they see like gloom and doom, but I see just like, okay, well, we do this, we do that, we do this. Mm -hmm. You know, we just, we have had workarounds for probably hundreds of years. Some of the, some of the, the tools that neurotypical people use are were workarounds for disabled people and mm -hmm. able able-bodied people use them and they don't they don't even know they came from workarounds for disabled people yeah. so a, a, a lot of parents don't don't see the future because they don't know what the future looks like but mm -hmm. we kind of do mm -hmm. so uh, yeah i mean it's it's good to ask disabled adults you know, and to, to click in with the adult community because we're, we have the services already, we have the workarounds, we have the experience. And um, AAC is one of those things. Yes. Like why, why should somebody have to be exhausted all day and have a meltdown by the end of the day? Because for some of us, speech is like the most exhausting thing they do all day. Mm -hmm. So why should somebody have to, you know, be um, pushed pushed back because they they have they use a workaround? Yes, people are gatekeeping that workaround. It doesn't make any sense. No, makes so, no sense. And yeah. and gatekeeping just for those of you out there who are not aware of it, PSA for me. It is not your job as the adult to decide when they should have their AAC device. Communication should be accessible at all times, all times. When they go to sleep, it should be next to them on their bed so they can have access to it. Not when you decide they might have something to communicate. That's my PSA. Yeah. And I will, I do wanna add that, so now that the parents are going to get AAC for their child, mm -hmm. whether their child speaks or not, I will say that don't expect your child to use this like a conversation for years. So you should be using it mainly to have conversations with other adults, uh, them, and just about anything. The more they see you use it as an adult, the more they will use it. We don't expect babies to come out of the womb talking, but we do expect them to like, look around and see what's going on and you know figure some some stuff out eventually right well we why would we expect an, an AAC user 
to be able to right away use AAC without the same amount of time of modeling and really speech immersion. All these little, all these uh, people that speak like us, we have seen uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of conversations probably a week. And so it takes us like months of that to learn to speak. So mm -hmm. think about how many hours that is. I think they said it was like 50,000 hours that humans get of conversation before they say their first word. So the more they seek conversation with AAC in their life, the more they will use AAC in their life. And um, don't feel bad about giving them, if they're trying to use it, about giving them some um, a little bit of motor support, but let them guide you. Mm -hmm. Let them borrow your motor support, your motor skills. That's it. Thank I you, think Jessica. that's awesome. So where can people find you on social media? I, I have a website, um, www.nifunctioningautism.com, on TikTok, um, on Instagram, and Facebook. It's at nifunctioning.autism, and I'm on YouTube. Um, I need, I'm on YouTube, but, um, uh, and, um, that's, that's pretty much it. Perfect. Perfect. I think it's time to get out of here. What do you think? I believe that it is. Um, I will end and just remind everyone, Torn and I are on a mission to shift the narrative on everything autism. And we want to thank you for listening. We want you to share the podcast and share it with those who are resistant, those who don't have anyone in their life that they know that is autistic because everyone needs to start getting the narrative, um, not just those who are um, who know someone uh, who's autistic and, and initiate those conversations because I really believe that together we can shift the narrative. We really can. That's my corny ending, I'm practicing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you for having me. No Thank problem. Thank you for being here. See ya.